but um, part of what we've said that we're going to do is cover The Last of Us, and we're trying to get on it as early as possible. Right now in the UK at 9 o'clock, it aired on, I think I watch it on Now TV, I don't know what you watch it on. Yeah, same. same. Yeah. So, I think we're, this is as fresh an opinion of the episode as we are physically able to give anyone. Mm-hmm. It's literally finished, what, minutes ago for me. Maybe ten minutes earlier for you, so we've just finished watching it. What were your thoughts of it, first of all? It's probably my favourite episode so far I'd in agree. terms of the Joel and Ellie story development. It doesn't feel like the Bill and Frank episode uh, has had any impact. I mean, that again, we talked about this last time. It was a nice episode, yeah. But I think this just kind of makes the point valid that it didn't really move the story along. So it was nice to see Joel and Ellie and see them back in on the uh open world and that development of uh, their you know the relationship growing between the two of them. Um Joel definitely starting to become much more caring towards her, acknowledging that she's still a child and that she's doing things that she shouldn't have to be doing as a child. And her starting to sort of warm up more to Joel and uh, try to get him to laugh. Um those are nice little things to see. Um, and that's just you know just the initial sort of thoughts on it. But what about yourself? Yeah, no, I, I loved the episode. I thought it was substantially better than the previous one. And this this time, it's really starting to feel like The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. Not not just um, the game, but the open world element of The Last of Us of having to sneak around and watch out for those additional threats that aren't just the infected. That's what I was waiting for, and that's what this episode finally gave us. Um, from the opening credits, I saw that it was being directed by uh, Jeremy Webb of Downton Abbey, or you might have seen some of his episodes when he was doing The Punisher. Uh, I think right, he okay. directed a couple of episodes of The Punisher and Altered Carbon. I think he goes all the way back to, like... I appreciate you You assumed I would see The Punisher as opposed to Downton Abbey, so... <laughs> I mean, I've seen down, I've seen some of Downton Abbey. It's not I really haven't seen any of it, though. admittedly. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, this guy's... I mean, this guy's done casually. This guy's done Grange Hill. Uh, I mean, mm. quite quite a different kind of show to Grange Hill. There's none of this. Uh, oh, I'm going to call my dad. But it's a, a a pretty good career that this uh, TV solely TV director's had. Um, some details I really liked about this episode at the end of last episode when they got into the van. It was supposed mm. to be playing Hank Williams if you were going by the game. I noticed a lot of people were giving um, the show a bit of shit because they'd changed the track that they were going to play in the car on the tape. But this episode started with them playing Hank Williams. So the the people that are really overly precious about the tiny details in the game, like you had to be a little bit patient. They're like, they got you. They got you. They they know what you were waiting for. They know what you're looking for. They they got you. Just just like the magazine, the, the magazine that Ellie picks up that's... That that was one of my favourite parts of the game when she was teasing him about the um the pornographic magazine and the yeah. fact that the pages of men were all stuck together because Bill was gay. And this episode actually gave us that because I'd initially been disappointed that the previous episode didn't touch on it. But again, I just had to be a little bit patient. Well, I mean, you you gotta allow, you know, time for things to breathe a bit. They've only just got the truck and that whole story hasn't happened yet, really. So yeah, but the thing I liked actually, there's a few things, but just the very opening scene of Ellie with the gun, 
in the mirror. And I think that very opening scene really emphasized that she's still just a child because she's in the mirror with a gun and she's like, pew, pew, doesn't really, I think, grasp. I mean, she knows what a gun is and everybody, you know, who that age understands guns are dangerous, but she's playing with it. She's, you know, taking the bullet out. I don't think she fully comprehends how dangerous the gun can be. And then you see her later on and she's, you know, behaving in a certain way and then eventually she has to shoot um, one of the raiders. And, uh, you know, Joe's very much about you're still a child, you shouldn't be doing these kind of things. So I think they did a lot this episode to really remind everybody that Ellie's still very young in relation to yeah. Joe, who who outright said he's 56 years old. <laughs> so um, that was the biggest takeaway, I think, from there that I've got over anything was that they're, they're really starting to emphasise it's a child and an adult. And in a lot of ways, it's going to, become that father-daughter thing. Yeah, so quickly, so quickly as well. Um, yeah. That's actually, the, with the exception of Hank Williams and the uh, pornographic magazine, that was actually top of my list of things that I noticed uh, with this episode. Yeah. Ellie is still a kid. The actress, Bella Ramsey, she plays her as if she's still a kid. And now, yeah. finally, Joel is reacting as if she's still a kid as opposed to Cargo, as he refers to her. Um, that, that first major moment of bonding probably when she was telling a joke while she was in the sleeping bag and he played along by giving the punchline of the joke instead of just dismissing it and yeah. getting a, a cheeky little smile out of him albeit he turned her back to uh, give that smile It was if it wasn't the first time the character smiled in the show since the, uh, the infections taken over the world it was it was definitely the first time that we've seen it. And like Pedro Pascal, I know he doesn't exactly look like Joel from the game, but how did anyone ever doubt this guy? Like, I think he's doing a great job. You've mentioned the Joelisms every time that we've done the <laughs> reviews. How were they this time round? Well, like I say, I think they were a lot better in the last episode. A lot of, lot of things were coming out. And then, again, going into this episode, they've continued. Um, I think there's also a lot of a transition happening where people are starting to move away from the Joel that they know from the game and starting to accept the Pedro Pascal version, which probably is true for myself. Um, to your point, though, the and it's kind of going back to what we've been saying about being a child and uh, being an adult. She's asking questions about will they find us when they're lying there in the woods and he's saying, no, nobody's going to find us. And then he's looking at the woods before he goes to sleep and then there's a shot later on where he's standing kind of on point guarding the little camp. So he's now lying to, to her to ease her fear, which again, yeah. you know, it's these little things that you maybe some people might not pick up on. But yeah. again, when later on when she tells that joke, later, when they're inside the room sleeping and he actually has a proper, like laugh out loud moment where he can't control himself it was nice to see that it's because it's, it's the little fun things that they're having now in this again it's it goes back to last week's episode where there's this horrible world around them but they're still able to laugh and have love and have a relationship you know so I think that's a good thing it's not an overly um, dramatic melodramatic you know depressing show there is some humour to be had in there oh there was a lot of there was one there, there was a sight gag that I thought was quite funny, and you know, it's it's a sight gag that's been done in a hundred shows like it. But I thought it was quite well here when he asked her to go to sleep, 
in the car and she said that she's not even tired and then it just cuts to her like you know what it was funny because i remember watching the ufc with my stepson one night and he was like i'm not even tired i was like just have a wee nap i'll wake up before the the main fights and he's like i'm not tired and then 10 minutes later he was conked out (laughs) i just just remembered that and it was funny because it was like it's it's true the kids say they're not tired and then boom they're out (laughs) but also like yeah that's not People will see these uh, post-apocalyptic or dystopian series like The Walking Dead and maybe from an outsider's perspective, it looks like it is all about uh, the destruction, the violence, the action. But I think the main arc in the story of The Last of Us was Joel coming to terms with the fact that um, relationships were important. The entire purpose in the ending, which I won't spoil in case people haven't seen it, because I think we've got a little bit of a habit of spoiling things that are going to happen in the game on this show already. But one of the biggest takeaways The game's been is, out for a long time, man. I think it's fair yeah. to talk about the game. Okay, um, I, I, I guess it's fair play, but Joel eventually realised that his connection with Ellie and uh, that relationship was more important than uh, the cause that people were trying to attain her for. So I think it is staying there. You have it, folks. Game. That's the end of the show for you. <laughs> well, are they going to change it? Because as we would see later on in the episode, they have introduced yet another storyline and another character that wasn't in the game. Unless I'm mistaken, that would be Kathleen. Uh, Kathleen, uh, I think she's being played by Melanie Linsky from Two and a Half Men and Yellow Jackets. That's the only other things I've seen her in. Um, um, I have to admit, my memory of the game is vague. Because I played it when it came out and haven't played it since. Um, I don't remember her. I was thinking at the time, I don't remember this story arc. Um, so I don't, I don't know. remember her either. No. Doesn't mean she wasn't there, of course. It may have been a smaller character that they've given a bigger platform to. But, or it could be um, several villains being integrated into one character, which I think some other shows uh, have done that before. Well, I do seem to have something in my head about the Henry thing. That she's you know trying to find Henry. That seems to ring a bell for some reason. I'd... The game wasn't so, maybe, maybe... so precious to me that I'd remember all of those details. But I, I don't dislike the inclusion of this character so far. I, I've always really liked good human villains, even in these worlds like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned that a lot. I'm a big fan of that show, by the way. But the human villains are more interesting than the infected villains. The infected villains are good for a bit of a for a bit of damage, a bit of chaos, a little bit of suspense, but eventually it's going to come down to humans that have lost their way and she's not been in the show that much. She was just in a couple of scenes, but I quite liked her. She seems to be like a very sweet sounding like gentle soul in demeanor but has that ruthlessness and she's undoubtedly, at this point at least, the leader of this group. So mm-hmm. someone that you might, you know, you might think that you could cross her at first because of her personality, but it seems like she's going to be a force to be reckoned with and I'm quite interested to see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, the I'm trying to remember the whole game and the part when they meet the, these guys and I'm pretty sure there's a major story plays out here with these particular characters that are coming in the show now um hunters i think they're called it might even be that they've changed the character mm. from a guy to a woman because henry does ring a bell but kathleen doesn't 
So it's possible that there may be some kind of recasting or, or something going on there. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, by all means, throw it in the comments if you uh, incorrect us, because there's going to be someone in time. the comments. There'll be that one person in the comments <coughs> like, <Wallace. coughs> these guys think that they are <laughs> fans of The Last of Us? Well, well, I've already said that I'm not so precious. You're more of the game guy when it comes to this. Maybe, but I, I played the game when it first came out on the PS3. It didn't play very well, actually. I then got the remastered version from a PS4, and I just never had time to play again. So my memory of the game is a distant memory at this point. But having played the second game, I think a lot of it's just, you know, it's buzzing around in there. Um, but then, of course, you've got the inclusion of, uh, is it Miles, the character from the game? Yeah. yeah. Um, at the end there. I've heard a rumour... Um, he's going to be deaf in the in the TV show, which is a different aspect from the game. Ah. So that'll be interesting. Well, Where I mean, gonna... that that might um, that might not be true. It might be true, but we'll find out next week or yeah. Friday if you're able to watch it before the Super Bowl. But certainly, the um, I think it'd be interesting if they bring him in as a deaf character because I always thought you know a quiet place when the biggest thing there was noise and so they're all sneaking around and it's just silence and you get these occasional um, scenes where like there's a lot of violence going on like in a face-off and they put the earphones on the little kid and they're having this big shootout. Sometimes I think it's interesting when there's a lot of violence and uh, stuff going on around somebody who's completely oblivious to the sounds of it all, especially when the clickers, for example, give like, the game away with their little noises and stuff and if you can't hear that, it has a whole new element of fear. It's because it's the whole like not being able to see something or hear something coming, but it could be right there by your face or right behind you, and you, you'll never know until you turn around and it's too late. So, but I think that could create some interesting. Um, it, it, sorry, sorry, I cut you off there. That also can introduce um, the opposite of vulnerabilities, though, as in Sims aren't going to startle you, Sims aren't going to intimidate you, and it's just going to solely come down to your perception and how good you are at being perceptive to the situation. I don't know if you yeah. ever watched Fargo, the TV series of Fargo. Yeah, well, not the TV show, no, I watched the film. Well, the TV obviously. series is phenomenal. I'd, I'd love to review the whole thing in depth one day, but there's a character in that that's a, a tough hitman, but he's deaf. Uh -huh. And he covers um, a lot of what you're just saying there. Right. But, um, it happened in Fargo, but it could also happen in um, The Last of Us. It gives you a lot of interesting creative opportunities as a director for the audience to see scenes that are silent with maybe just the I, aid of music. I, I think that can create a lot of tension. Yeah. Um, it's a straight, so this slightly goes off point, but it kind of comes back around. I remember in school, we watched Of Mice and Men, and it was an older version that was black and white. And there's a scene where they take the, the boy's dog away to shoot him because he's old and mangy and all the rest of it and in the original version that I saw it's just silence just silence and the camera moves around the room to everybody who's awkwardly standing there because they all know the guy's dog's going to be shot he knows it's going to be shot um, and they all feel sorry for him because anyone who's had a dog understands the relationship between man and beast and all you hear is a gunshot and then the old man rolls over and starts to cry and then, of course, because this was in school and it was part of our analysis, we watched the uh, John Malkovich version. I love that, by and the way. The same scene plays out, 
but they've got this sad, dramatic music playing over it and all the rest of it. And I think the version without the audio, with nothing, just silence, by far, is the better scene. Because you, as an audience member, are watching this, but you also feel the awkwardness of it. And as you travel around the room, it's like, you know, you're like you're standing there looking at the faces of these men and feeling their pain. And then the gunshot goes off and then you suddenly feel like, oh, okay. And I think that's going to allow for a lot of things where, again, if, the, if Miles is deaf and can't hear these things, there's that going to be these things if you're getting the story from his perspective and it's just silence. And then because they can get away with it, the jump scare element can be quite intense for people watching at home. So I think there could be a nice, something to play there that could be you know, a fear factor, especially for the home audience. So I'm quite keen to see if that rumour is true. And I think if it is true, I think it can do a lot for the storytelling. No, I completely agree. And just as a side note, like maybe not only we, but only you, I suppose, could turn a review of The Last of Us into a quick review of, of Mice <laughs> and Men, the Steinbeck. 